Praise God. Let's take our seats, please. Let's just turn to the Lord for a couple of minutes and thank Him for this time and pray that the Lord will continue to minister unto us, speak to us, speak to our inner being. Father God, we want to thank you for this time that you have given us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will do something good in our lives, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, Father. Father God, we ask, Lord, that you minister unto us this afternoon, Lord, Father. And what you have for us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will receive it with a willing heart and an understanding mind, Lord. We thank you, Lord, Father, for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, for every person gathered here this day. And we ask, Lord, that your name be glorified and your will be done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start by giving you a statement. Actions have consequences. Do you agree with that? Yes. All right. Actions have consequences. How many of you have disobeyed God? All right. That's an action. You have disobeyed God, but not all of you have put up your hands. And the hands have gone up to varying levels. Okay. But now I need you to think for a minute. And I'm going to give you just about a minute to take your pens, to take your papers, to take your smartphones, to take your tablets, whatever. And to write down two consequences of your disobedience to God. We will come back to that later. I am not going to ask you for a copy of what you write down. We are not having hidden cameras here to note down your area of disobedience. But I need you to list down, not in your mind, but on paper or in your smartphones or in any writing device that you may carry. Maybe a a small piece of blackboard with a chalk in your hand. Think of that area where you have disobeyed God and you have felt the consequence of that action. Please write it down. Two points. Bullet pointed. And we'll come back to it later during the day. Some of you are writing. Some of you are still contemplating the architecture of this building. Probably some of you are asking, have I disobeyed God? Or maybe there is somebody who says, is there a God? Alright, now assuming that you have written the two results of your actions, the two consequences of your disobedience, let us turn to the book of Jonah and read 11 verses. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 onwards to the full of chapter 2. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, 
into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up from my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I, have, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. A well-known story. We know the the intricate details of chapter 1. We also know very well the details of chapter 3 and chapter 4. But we are going to focus today on chapter 2. Now long time back, there was an argument between a Sunday school teacher and, her, and one of her students, a seven-year-old boy in her Sunday school class. The teacher was trying to tell her class that the story of Jonah and the whale You know in Sunday school it's never a great fish It's always Jonah and the whale In many of the versions of the Bible You don't get the word whale You get Jonah and the great fish Okay, But let's go back to the story So this teacher was trying to tell The students in her class That this story of Jonah and the whale Was just a story It didn't happen It was just a story And was just meant to teach us about disobedience to God and the consequences. It was not a real story because whales cannot swallow human beings. In fact, the, the, the neck of a whale is quite thin and it's not possible for it to actually swallow a human being. But one seven-year-old boy refused to accept her statement. He said, it's in the Bible. It must be true. The teacher tried to give him one explanation after another as to why that was not possible. But the boy would not accept it. Finally, in exasperation and frustration, the teacher said to the boy, Okay, there is only one way to find out the truth. You can ask Jonah when you get to heaven. I will, said the little boy. But the teacher said, What if Jonah is in hell? After all, he disobeyed God. Well, said the little boy, you can ask him when you get to hell. <laughs> After all, you disbelieve God. This might just be a story. But we need to get back to the book of Jonah. Now, about three months back, number 28, Brother Francis spoke on Jonah chapter 1. Do you remember it? You do remember it. One voice. Okay. What was the take home message? November 28th. The story of Jonah chapter 1. There has to be a take home message, isn't it? So what was or what were the take home messages from what Brother Francis spoke that day? Let me tell you, let you refresh your memory. Number one, your opinion does not influence God's plans. God has his plans and it will be fulfilled. Number two, you cannot run away from God successfully. Jonah tried it, he failed. You cannot run away from God successfully. That was take home message number two. And take home message number three is this. Your disobedience often brings pain and loss to others. Jonah's disobedience brought pain to many sailors. It brought, it brought loss to many sailors. So these were the three take home messages. Your opinion does not influence God's plans. 
you cannot run away from God successfully. And number three, your disobedience often brings pain and loss to others. But we are not going to even focus on that. That's done with. We are going to move on to Jonah chapter 2. But there are a couple of things that we need to list out straight away. These are straightforward facts that we see in chapter 1 and moving on into chapter 2. Number one is this. This is a straightforward fact. There is no argument on this. According to Jonah chapter 1 verse 3, Jonah started the quarrel with God. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2, God gave Jonah an instruction. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3, Jonah decided to disobey God and run away in the opposite direction. Jonah started the quarrel with God. The last verse of chapter 1, chapter 1 verse 17, Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. God started the reconciliation process with Jonah. So can you get this concept here? Jonah started the quarrel with God. God started the reconciliation with Jonah. And the same applies to you and me today. Always, it is we who quarrel with God. God gives us instructions. He tells us to do something. He tells us to say something. He tells us to keep quiet at times. He gives us instructions, but it doesn't, it's not in line with our own plans, with our own ideas, with our own concepts, with our own philosophies. And so we quarrel with God. We say, no, that's not going to work. I'm not going to do it that way. That's not God talking to me. And so we quarrel with God. And always it is God who initiates the reconciliation. Because as we quarrel with God, we move away from God. Introspect on your own lives. The times that you have disobeyed God is the starting point for moving away from God. Subtly, inch by inch, you're moving away from God. And always, if you again look back and introspect, you will see That the time you started coming back to God, it was God who drew you back. It was God who started that process of reconciliation. So that is incontrovertible fact number one. Jonah started the quarrel, God started the reconciliation process. Incontrovertible fact number two is this. According to Jonah chapter 1 verse 6, it states that, The captain came to him, the captain of the ship, which was rocking in those very rocky seas, and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, so that we may not perish. The captain comes and tells Jonah, Come on, pray to your God. We are in dire difficulties. And you are sleeping. Pray. But did Jonah pray? No, he didn't. The storm continued. Losses mounted. And then in verse 12, we see what Jonah has to say. But he refuses to pray. He says, he told them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. He gives them an action. He gives them an action plan. But what did the captain tell him? Can you please pray? Everyone is praying. We are all praying to our own gods. Maybe your God will respond. And here is Jonah, a prophet of the living God. But in his anger, in in his decision to go away from God... Because he was not thinking the way God was thinking. He did not like God's plans. He said, no, I'm not going to talk to God. I'm going to go away. I I don't mind getting thrown into the sea. I know I'm the cause of the problem. And so he says, throw me in. Jonah had an opportunity to pray and walk out of calamity. But he didn't. 
He chose his own way forward. But then, when he was in deep trouble, chapter 2, verse 1, what does Jonah say? Let's start with the second part of verse 17 of chapter 1. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the fish belly. So when he was in this great difficulty, when he could neither see right nor left, when he knew that no man could help him, when he knew that there was no way out of this watery grave except to turn to the Lord, that's when he decided to turn to the Lord. You see, he was in deep trouble and there was no way out. Ask ourselves that question. Is that the way we are today? Do we wait to get into the miry clay? Do we wait till we are bogged down with all kinds of trouble? Do we wait till we have no hope? No one can save you. And then we turn to God. God never said, go into the trouble and then pray for me, pray to me. God said, pray always. I'm there with you all the time. And experiencing God, we start off by a reality which says that God is at work around us all the time. God is not at work somewhere else all the time. God is at work around me all the time. And God says, pray always. Talk to me. Let's fellowship. Let's talk. But look at ourselves, introspect, ask yourself this question. Do we actually plead to God? Do we cry out to God only when we are in the kind of trouble that Jonah was in? Or do we do it right at the beginning? Before we get into trouble, day after day we say, God protect me. You take care of me, you take care of my situations. Have I disobeyed you? Forgive me. Can, I, can we move forward from here? Jonah didn't do that. And there are many of us like Jonah. There are many of us like Jonah. We wait till we are in the deep end before we turn to God. Now let's move on to Jonah 2. Okay, this is the incontrovertible facts. And now let's move on to part 2 of the Jonah story, which is taken from chapter 2. And from this passage of scripture that we have just read, there are a number of lessons for us today. Just as they were there for Jonah many centuries back. And therefore the title of today's message is The Belly Cry. Okay, The Belly Cry. Number one, God prepares your future. God prepares your future. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. God knew when he gave the instruction to Jonah many verses back. He knew that Jonah would run away. He said, that's okay. I've got the task for Jonah. I'm going to get him to do the work. That's perfectly fine. Let him go where he wants to go. He's going to go into the sea. That's okay. I've got the great fish prepared for him. God prepared the fish. Jonah was going to drown in the sea. Jonah was prepared to drown in the sea because he told the sailors, throw me in. It's a raging sea. This is not a calm sea where you would go for an evening swim. This is a raging sea in the midst of the Mediterranean Ocean. You don't go for a swim in that area. You are bound to drown. Jonah said, throw me there. But God said, I know my guy is going to do that. Let me prepare a fish for him. I don't know what you are saying. God has prepared your future. God always does it. You see, God had prepared this living creature, this living submarine, if, we, if you wish, for Jonah. 
And now many theologians, many worldly wise scholars have debated on the possible identity of this great fish. The, 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 uh, the theme of this great fish is, is a great research study in theology. What could it have been? It could have been this, it could have been that, it could have been something else, whatever. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. What, what does matter simply is this. The Bible says that God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Not to chew him up. Many fish have got teeth. Sharp teeth. I get scared looking at some dead fish. We go to Lulu, my wife and I. I don't go to the fish section. I say I don't like the smell, but I don't like the teeth. You see, we have a God who gives life. So you never know when the fish is going to come back to life. So the sea is full of dangerous fish. But God prepared a great fish that was not going to chew up Jonah, but was going to swallow him whole. So the intention is very clear. Jonah was going to be intact in that belly of the fish. And when God prepares a way forward for you, you're not going to get chewed up. You are going to go intact. We may not always see it. We may think that we're getting chewed up through circumstances. But when God prepares a way forward, you will be intact. Now the question we need to ask ourselves is simply this. Are we floundering in some self-created storm? Have we chosen to disobey God and follow our own dictates? Have we decided that my plans are better than God's plans? Have we concluded that there is no future for us? And we've got to do things our way. God is very slow. God's ways doesn't seem to fit into this highly complex technology-ridden world. And so I've got to do it my way. I need to help God out in this one. Is that what we are thinking? Now turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16. And let me just read for you from verses 6 to 10. This is a, this is a story of Paul's journey. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, Paul and his team had a different plan. They were in an area which is today called Turkey. And they intended continuing in that direction eastwards. They had plans to go and spread the gospel in certain parts of Turkey and possibly eastwards after that. But God had other plans. Paul tried to go. The Holy Spirit moved him away from there. And then Paul recognized that God is calling him to go somewhere else. Now Paul did not hang on to his plans. He didn't say, no, I need to go to Asia. I need to go to Bithynia. I need to go to Mysia because those people need to hear your word. I'm just taking your word. Let me go there. That was not God's plan. And Paul recognized that. Paul said, okay, where do you want me to go? And so the call came to go to Macedonia. Now Macedonia is westwards. In fact, if you go to the map, it's just above Greece, it's, between, it's below Serbia. It's a country which is in existence today. Okay, Macedonia is a beautiful country between Greece and Serbia. And that's where the Holy Spirit led 
Paul and his team. So are we holding on to our plans and saying, no, this is the way I need to get things done? Or are we prepared to say, God, yes, what's your plan? What's my future? You, you know it. How do you want me to move? Because God has a future planned for each and every one of us. And that future is a beautiful future. All we need to do is to recognize that you and I actually are incapable of working out our future. We are incapable of working out our present. Why do we ever think about the future? Just say, okay, here's God. He says he's going to take care of my future. Great, I've got somebody now to take care of me. I'm going to sit back, relax, do nothing. What God wants me to do, I'll do. Something goes wrong, he takes the blame. Not me. You see, our problem is we don't like to surrender control. We are control freaks. We like to be in control of every situation. But God says, no. Just put yourselves in my hand. God has a future. And that was the first thing that God did for Jonah. God prepared his future. Number two. Recognize your problems. Recognize your problems. What are your problems? I told you at the beginning, have you disobeyed God? Think about it. And I asked you to write down the consequences. But before you can write down the consequences, you need to know what was your area of disobedience. What was your problem area? So now Jonah recognized his problems. Turn to Jonah chapter 2 verse 2. And Jonah said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Jonah recognized his problems. What were his problems? He had disobeyed God. He wasn't prepared to listen to God. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. He tried running away from God. He was now in deep waters. He was imprisoned in a watery grave. But then, if you look at these two verses, chapter 1, verse 17, and chapter 2, verse 1, you will understand that Jonah was a very stubborn man. Why do I say that? Jonah chapter, seven, chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. He's there in the great fish, knows he has no way out, three days and three nights. I'm not going to change my stance. I'm not going to Nineveh. Where the fish takes me, that's fine. But I think the fish had a problem of digestion. It was not digesting Jonah. Because science tells us that you put anything in the stomach... And the acids of the stomach are strong enough that digestion is over in four hours. You can eat a full chicken. And in four hours, there is no chicken. Jonah was in a great fish. And he was there for three days and three nights. Quiet. Refused to turn to God. And then, you see, he was a stubborn man. What about you and me? How stubborn are we? I was just telling the Experiencing God class the other day that everything in the Bible is about God. This book is about God. From Genesis 1-1 to the last verse of Revelation, it's about God. 
The examples of many people are used. Many men have been quoted. Many women have been quoted. Many events have been quoted. Many instances have been quoted. For what? For us to learn. And so we have the story of Jonah here. Jonah was a stubborn man. So turn that question and ask yourself, how stubborn am I in comparison to Jonah? And the end result is, many of us will say that Jonah was not as stubborn as I am. I am 100 times more stubborn than Jonah. That is the reality of the matter. You see, so we need to recognize our problems. And we need to move away from being these kind of stubborn uh, people. Are we so stone-hearted that we refuse to turn to God? Have we just chosen to sulk in some corner of some grave? Stubbornness will only keep us in the grave. It will never get us out of there. We need to learn to surrender our stubbornness. So, point number two is this. We need to recognize our problems. Jonah recognized his problems and turned to God. You and I need to recognize our problems. Don't push it under the carpet. That's fine in the office when the audit is coming. Push the problems under the carpet. Doesn't work in day-to-day living. In day-to-day living, confront your problems. Because very often, the other guy is not the cause of my problems. None of you here are the cause of any of my problems. I am the cause of my problems. I am not the cause of any of your problems, whether you accept it or not. You are the cause of your problems. Jonah was the cause of his problems. And he recognized it. That's when he turned to God. He had disobeyed. He had run away. He did not do what God wanted him to do. That's when later, after his days of stubbornness, he turned to God. Number three, recognize the results of your disobedience. Recognize the results, and that's the consequences that hopefully many of you have written down. The consequences of your, of your disobedience. And that's really related to Jonah chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. In, in verse 3, Jonah cries out, For you cast me into the deep. Who threw him into the waters? The sailors. But Jonah recognized that they only did the physical act of throwing him into the water. It was God who actually cast him into the water. Why? Because he disobeyed. In which raging storm are you in right now? Have you disobeyed God? Have you run away from God? God might be putting you into that place. Very often, we take great pleasure in every bad thing that's happening in our life. You read Jonah. The devil is not there at all. It all starts with disobedience. It all starts with not respecting God the Father. It all starts with choosing to do things your own way. And the end result is you get into trouble. Cancer is a deadly disease. We know that. It is, a, it is a deadly disease. It has been clearly identified. And all of you are extremely erudite, literate, educated people. 
who search the web for everything. If you go and look into the web and find out what are the causes of cancer, you will find that one of the causes which has been identified as a causative factor for cancer is chemical preservatives. And yet, we know that. We have read it. So many times we have read it. Chemical preservatives. And yet, we have cool drinks which have got chemical preservatives. We have processed foods which have got chemical preservatives. We give it to our children. We go for it all the time. We use preservatives at home. We spray our rooms with all kinds of insect killers, which are killers. They are not giving perfume to the insect. They kill insect. That means they have got killing potential. And then we stay in that environment. 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And then you land up with cancer. And then you say, the devil brought it on my life. You have been taking the preservatives for 25 years. Am I right? See, that's what we are talking about here. For you cast me into the deep. Jonah recognized that he was in his position now because of something that he did and God was te teaching him a lesson. God put him into that raging waters. God put him into the belly of the fish. So we, we need to understand something here. Are we doing things in our life that needs to change? Are we doing things that are wrong which will have its effect years later? How often have we seen in medicine, and we have doctors here, we have nurses here, how often have we seen in medicine people at the age of 20, 15, 16, they start smoking, and when they are told cigarette smoke, smoking is one of the causes of lung cancer, oh, that's, that's rubbish, that's not going to hurt me, I'm going to smoke. Hopefully nobody here smokes, okay? I, I hope none of you are cigarette smokers. But then, 40 years down the line, cigarette smoke never produces cancer uh, within one year. It takes 30 years before the changes hit. And then they say, why didn't someone tell me when I started smoking? Why is this government allowing cigarettes to be sold in the shops? You knew it. You knew you were doing something that you shouldn't be doing. You are facing the consequences. Consequences come late. Your actions take place at a particular point of time. Jonah did something. The consequences came a little later. Okay? So, recognize the results, the consequences of your disobedience. Verse 3, Jonah cries, For you cast me into the deep. Verse 4, Jonah says, I have been cast out of your sight. You see, he recognizes the result. I have been cast out of your sight. Jesus Christ said the same thing. He said, why have you turned your face away from me? Because Jesus carried sin for that momentary time. And God could not look upon sin. And Jonah says, why have you cast, I have been cast out of your sight. Jonah realizes that his separation from God is because he chose to run away from God. Sitting in the belly of that great fish, Jonah had time to introspect, to recognize the consequences of his actions. Today, do we need time to introspect? Do we need to be cast out from the sight of the Lord before the truth hits his heart? Let us recognize that separation from God is a very costly price to pay. Ask yourself this question. Is sin separating you from God? If sin is separating you from God, it's time you turned, you returned to Him. In verse 5, 
Jonah describes his terrible predicament. He says, the waters surround him completely. He's in the belly of the fish. The waters surround him completely. The deep is all around him. The deep is translated as the darkness is all around him. Now, you know, you could think back and say that God probably forgot something here. He knew that Jonah was going to be in this belly of this great fish. He could have at least kept a candle or a tube light in the belly of the fish. But it was dark. You are surrounded by water. You can probably hear the rumbling of the stomach and the intestine of that fish. And then you have these things which are now all around your head. He is wrapped up and tangled in all kinds of weeds. That's his terrible predicament and he can't see anything. It's dark. He feels the water. He feels these things around him. These tangled webs all around him. His eyes are open but he can see nothing. Can you imagine the predicament? Put yourself in that place. Terrifying. Absolutely scary. Dreadful. I wouldn't like to be there. No, not once. And remember, to add to all this, he doesn't describe it, but it's obvious. He's sitting on a floor that is not stationary. It's like you're in an earthquake. You're trying to sit down, you're trying to stand, you're trying to lie down and the floor keeps sh shaking. Because he is in the belly of a living fish. It's not a cemented floor. So can you, can you just imagine his predicament at this point of time when he t talks in verse 5, The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. That's what Jonah says was what he was having right there. Can you for a moment imagine the result of Jonah's actions? Do you think any of it was really worth it? Why would you choose to disobey God? Why would you, why would I choose to disobey God and face this kind of a situation? If you think Jonah was absolutely crazy to have disobeyed God the way he did, you are right. But then so are many of us. We are equally crazy to be disobeying God all the time. My question, are you a Jonah? Number four, recognize the solution to your problems. Recognize the solution to your problems. Jonah chapter 2, from the second part of verse 6 to 9. Yet you have brought me up, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Look at that realization that hits Jonah. He hasn't come out of the place yet. But now, he starts his positive confession. He says, Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you. Where is he going to sacrifice? In the belly? He already knows that he is going to be saved. That is faith. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. In whole of Jonah, that one sentence is probably his greatest sentence. Salvation is of the Lord. You see, in the midst of all his difficulties, all his troubles, Jonah now starts praising God. That's the importance of praise. And so let me hit you a little differently now. 
We start the service with... What do we start it with? Approximately 20 minutes. If we allow them, they will take the whole time. Okay. But we are not loving them. Okay. 20 minutes approximately. Praise and worship. Praise. Start your presence into God. Start your movement into God's presence with praise. That's what Jonah did. He started praising God because he knew that his answers were going to come only when he started praising God. And yet, some of us choose to come to service after the praise and worship is done. Your service is incomplete without participating in praise and worship. I'm not holding a candle for the praise and worship team. I'm just laying out facts. Go through the Bible. What's the importance of praise and worship? This is not a fad. This is not a new, new age fad. It is biblical. Praise and worship is what moves the heart of God. You have disobeyed God. You want to get back to God. Start with praise and worship. Three days, three nights in his watery grave. And then Jonah was able to declare something. He declared that everything he regarded as high in his life was nothing but worthless idols. Chasing after these idols prevents the grace of God, the mercy of God, the loving kindness of God to work in your life. Jonah recognized that his plans were worthless. His decision to go to Tarshish was worthless. His high horse stand that he wanted the Ninevites dead was a worthless concept. Those were his idols. What are your idols today? What are my idols today? Each of us has different idols. Now I know all of us can happily and confidently say that we do not keep a graven image in front of us at home and do things with that image. Agreed. But we have replaced that graven image with other graven images of different types, styles, function. And they have all become idols. We need to replace those worthless idols and praise God. That's when Jonah made his greatest statement. Salvation is of the Lord. No man, no tribe, no community, no nation, no language can give you salvation. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can give you and me salvation. If you have tasted that, great. If you haven't, long for it. Because only Jesus Christ can give us that salvation. Point number five, and this would be the final point. This would be the final lesson for us today. Learn to obey God. In verse 10, God spoke to the great fish. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And this truth actually hit me yesterday. I was going to stop with verse 9. Because verse 10 is, an, is a slightly different thing. But that is really the, a crucial point there. In verse 10, God spoke to the great fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. No questions asked. If Jonah, sorry, if the fish can obey God immediately, you know what follows. Why can't you and me? I'm, I'm, I'm actually beginning to think that fish have got more intelligence than you and me. We have been deceiving ourselves in thinking that we are the most intelligent beings on this earth. The Bible tells us actually to go to the ant and study from the ant. So possibly the ant has got more intelligence than you and me. 
Now, I realize that the fish may have more intelligence to you and me. So actually, my pride is being cut. What have I got to be proud about? I'm not the most intelligent creature. The fish is more intelligent than me. And the Bible tells me that ants are pretty intelligent. Okay, so I'm being humbled at this point of time. In Job chapter 33, verse 14, and let me read it for you from the King James Version. It says this, Job 33, verse 14. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. God spoke once to the fish and the fish perceived it. Vomited out Jonah. Job 33, verse 14 says, God speaks once, yea, twice, and man perceiveth it not. The same verse in the New Living Translation is written like this. But God speaks again and again. People do not recognize it. The New American Standard Bible puts the verse this way. Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. You see, this is an indictment on all of us. We need to learn to obey God. God is God. When he says jump, we jump. When he says move, we move. We need to learn to obey God. Had Jonah obeyed God the first time, the book of Jonah might have a different story in it. Okay, now it's a different story for us because of the disobedience and that's a good lesson for all of us. Okay? You see, fish obey God the first time that they are spoken to. But people like you and me are so thick-headed that God has to speak more than once before we even begin to respond. Now, God is not interested in excuses. God is not interested in sacrifice. God is not interested in your money. God is not interested in your busy work schedules. God is interested in you and your obedience only. I do not know in what state you see yourself today. Are you running away from God? How obedient are you to God? Are you in a pit so deep that your only salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ? There is no other way. Have you asked him to pick you up from that miry clay? To place you on a very comfortable, solid ground. I'm ending. This is my conclusion. Recognize. Every one of us, please, let us recognize that God has a beautiful future planned out for us. Have no doubt about it. Don't ever think. You know, like... Old people like us, we tell our children, you know, life was so beautiful when I was young. Yeah, because you are not there to check it out. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, your tomorrow is more beautiful than your yesterday. Hold that. Because God is in charge of your tomorrow. If we can only surrender ourselves to Him. If we can only obey Him. If we can only say, God... My tomorrow is in your hands. Identify your problems. Don't avoid them. Don't avoid them at all. Identify them. List out the result of your disobedience. It is a good practice to list out things. Because that hits us. When we don't list out things, we kind of push things under the carpet. But when we list it out and say, okay, this is where I've gone wrong. This is the consequence. Now, what do I do to get back? Okay. How should, what steps should I take?
to get back. So you list out. And so you have listed them out. Hopefully you have. Go back home and look at those lists again. If you have listed them out. If you haven't, you, you still have time. You can still list out those areas where you have disobeyed God and you have felt the consequence of that disobedience. List out the results, the consequences of your disobedience. Recognize the solution to your problems. Recognize that there is a solution to your problem. Learn to obey God. Bottom line. Learn to obey God. We just take a song, a very simple chorus. I asked Brother Matthew to lead us in that one. And then we'll close with a word of prayer. The song, that the chorus that we're going to take is Do Something New in My Life. Brother Matthew, shall we all stand up as we take that song? Do something new in my life, something new in my life, something new in my life, oh Lord, do something new in my life, something new in my life, something new in my life, oh Lord, make this of your prayer this afternoon. Do something in my life, something new in my life, something new in my life. Oh Lord, do something new in my life, something Something great, do something great, something awesome, something great in my life, something great in my life. Wonderful in my life, do something wonderful in my life. Oh Lord, something wonderful. Make it a Christ this afternoon. Something wonderful in my life. Oh Lord, I need your grace to Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed by thy word today? Job chapter 36 verse 11. If they obey and follow it up with service, they shall spend all their days in prosperity and all their years in pleasures. So, 
the pressure or depression is because disobedience is at work. <laughs> Amen? Depression and every form of pressure of our lives is because there is one disobedience that works somewhere. If connotes a conscious decision, a choice that you and me have to make to obey God and to serve Him. Hallelujah. They shall spend all, not some, mark it, not some, all their days in prosperity and all their years if they decide to follow God and His word. Lord, I make a decision today to follow you and you alone. To live by your word. To walk in your ways. To live a lifestyle that pleases you. To obey you in all things. To serve you in all things. Are you making that declaration today? For your word says, if I obey and serve you, I will spend all my days in prosperity and all my years in pleasures. I make that decision and declaration today as you have sent your word, Lord, so will I do. As you have spoken your word, Lord, so will I do. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Are you asking for his help? The flesh profited nothing. Your flesh can't help you. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ask for help. Ask for grace. Lord, help me to live a life that pleases you in all things. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name in Jesus' mighty name. Now, verse 12 of that same Job chapter 36 says, But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. If they obey not, they shall perish by that. So it is, it is the core of our Christian adventure. Living in obedience. Living in obedience. But you see, how shall you obey what you don't know? <laughs> Amen. Very, very key. So grace to study the world like never before this year. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Grace to live by the word this year like never before. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Grace to reflect and manifest the word of God in truth, in deed, in word, and in actions. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And I agree with you that indeed this year 2015... We shall spend every day in prosperity and pleasures in the name of Jesus. Holiness shall become our true identity in the name of Jesus. And if you are there, you are not yet giving your life to Christ. This is another opportunity to make things right. Don't go into this new week still living in disobedience. If they obey not. They shall die without knowledge and perish by the sword. I didn't write it. It is the word of the Lord. One second. You are there. You have not given your life to Christ. It is another opportunity to make things right. I give you one second. Jesus, have mercy upon me. Make that prayer where you are. I confess today. Jesus, I come to you in full assurance. Knowing that I am a sinner, I have come today to put myself at your mercy. That you will from today be the Lord and Savior of my life. Make that declaration where you are. Make that declaration where you are. You need to make things right today. Tomorrow may be too late. You need to make things right today. Tomorrow may be too late. Jesus, save me. I come to you with the whole of my heart. Thank you, Father, 
for your word and for your son that you have used to bless us today. Lord, in the days ahead, continue to reveal yourself unto him. In the name of Jesus. Lord, make him an instrument of greater blessing to every one of us and to this church in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name. As we go this week, it shall be a week of unusual encounters in the name of Jesus. Your long-awaited good news is coming this week in the name of Jesus. Every struggle of your life, just as we have prayed, every mountain, everything that looks like Jericho, you shall look for them, you shall no longer see them. In the name of Jesus. Your full scale laughter is beginning this week in the name of Jesus. The peace that has eluded your family shall be restored this week in the name of Jesus. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength this week in the name of Jesus. This month, what you never thought you could get, where you never thought you could step, the kind of breakthroughs you never thought you could touch shall be your portion in the name of Jesus. Every agenda of shame, every tragedy, every evil, everything that the enemy has meant to dislodge or disturb or put your family head bowed. I command such arrangements to be nullified in the name of Jesus. You are returning next week Friday. Shouting glory in the name of Jesus. You are returning. Shouting praise the Lord in the name of Jesus. You are returning with testimonies and tears of joy in the name of Jesus. Go in peace. In your house there shall be celebration. In your office there shall be promotion. In your life there shall be distinction. The Lord will elevate you to the next level. Whatever has bowed your head low this week, it shall turn to a lifting. When men are cast down, for you, there shall be a lifting up. There shall be a lifting up. There shall be a lifting up. Every program remaining for this church this year, particularly the program of the sisters at the end of this month, I decree resounding success and blessing in the name of Jesus. So shall it be. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Before we share the grace, next week, Saturday, tomorrow, 4 p.m., excellent men, we are meeting, hallelujah, by 4 p.m. We want to explore God's will in our finances. Amen? Let's make sure we are there. God bless you. And next week, Saturday, we are there again, 5.30 p.m. a.m. for early will I seek thee. Amen? Amen? Have you been blessed by today's worship? Please ensure you bring somebody next Friday. Stop enjoying the blessing alone. Amen? Somebody needs to be blessed like you. Next Friday, bring somebody. Are you making that declaration? Bring what? Somebody. Draw somebody out of the fire. And they will forever be blessing you in Jesus' name. Let's share the grace with fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us. All the days of our lives. We shall dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Holiness and peace. Go in peace in Jesus' name. God bless you.